podcast today. We're going to cover the Netherlands. We're also going to cover South Africa and England. Uh, the rugby coming up as well. It could be a very, very dark day for English sports today. Uh, we're going to cover that all on the Top Order podcast today. Well, we're not really. We're not going to talk about the rugby too much, but I've got the shirt on. Living in hope for more than expectation. But we're going to talk cricket on the Top Order podcast daily. All coming up after the swishes. Well, boys, um, yeah, a couple of us a little bit bleary-eyed. Our first um, uh, turn at the batting and bowling crease yesterday in New Zealand club cricket. So, yeah, certainly some aching limbs this side of Auckland, boys, um, after 60 overs uh, keeping wicket, um, having not caught a cricket ball since uh, March and didn't catch too many more yesterday either, uh, to, to be fair. Um, we're going to talk some international cricket, though. So... Let's start with the Netherlands and Sri Lanka. Um, Netherlands making a reasonably good fist of the game. Uh, Sri Lanka only getting over the line with, what, an over and a bit to spare. Um, a couple of what-ifs, I think, in that game. Miss Stumping, um, Baldy, we, we were talking about just before we went to, to air. But, yeah, what's caught our eye in, in, in that game? Baldy, I think you've, yeah, you've kind of got some initial thoughts. Yeah, look, Dilshan Madashankar's caught my eye in this tournament. We've talked about him before, and he was unplayable last night. He was swinging the ball. Uh, there was one to Vic Ramjit Singh that swung in and then pitched and then went away. The best batters in the world couldn't have got within six inches of it. He is He has been outstanding. He took four for 49 last night, which is probably a just reward for the way that he bowled. Um, he has been outstanding, and in a tournament where Sri Lanka haven't looked like firing too many shots across the bowels of some of the bigger bigger sides, uh, he's been an absolute standout for them. Uh, um, Baldy, you, we, we probably want to cover off that that what if it was a relatively relatively close in in the end, but yeah, a miss stumping mm. by Scott Edwards has that really cost the Netherlands? Do you think, or is, is that a little bit harsh? No, I, I think it did cost them. I mean, at that stage, they would have been 60 for three. Uh, Mendes was just dismissed. Uh, Summer of Rikwama had faced two balls, hadn't got off the mark yet. It was a difficult stumping, to be sure. There was lots of turn out there. Um, it turned big down the leg side, and uh, Edwards just couldn't quite get to it to reel it in to, to complete the stumping. Um, it's one of those ones where it would have been a good stumping if it was taken. Um, you'd expect a really, really good international keeper to to get a glove on it and, and, and get it into the gloves. As it was, Samarovic Rama went on and made 91 and was the, the backbone of that Sri Lankan chase, uh, supported by Asalanka and then uh, De Silva. So, you know, you have to say that that has been an, a very impactful miss as far as the Netherlands are concerned. If they were going to beat Sri Lanka, they really needed to for everything to go their way and, and that one just didn't quite go into the gloves. Just for me, on the on the disappointment side for for the Netherlands, I think they will be a real they will be real disappointed. They uh, would have believed they they would have believed they had a chance to win that game. Uh, they're looking at three victories for this tournament, and um, yeah, they'll be disappointed to not have cashed in on every opportunity that came their way. However, they they did really well to get themselves into a position to to, to challenge. They were 96 for one uh, early on in the first half of their uh, batting innings. Uh, did you see much of Engelbrecht bat? Uh, he looked fairly impressive. Yeah, on the highlights, he looked fantastic. He and Logan Van Beek rescued their innings, as you say, Raj, from, from 90 for six to 200 for seven. Uh, they really got themselves into a position where they could challenge Sri Lanka. Um, otherwise, it would have been 
you know, it would have been Sri Lanka chasing 120, 130 for victory, and they, and they probably would have got that in a cakewalk in the end. So um, great work from those guys to get, new, uh, get uh, the Netherlands into a position where they could, you know, have a score that they could bowl at, and they bowled reasonably well. There was lots of turn on offer. It was one of those wickets that both both seemed and spun, if you believe in the, the Shane Warne uh, parable, that if it seems, it spins. Um, and it was definitely one of those days. We'll come on to permutations uh, later, but um, I guess from a yeah from a Sri Lanka perspective, um, we've kind of almost written them off through the course of the tournament, haven't they? But they're yeah definitely hanging in there. So let, let's talk about the permutations a little bit later. Have we got anything else on that uh, Sri Lanka Netherlands game before we move on to to the other fixture in the day's proceedings? Uh, yeah, just one thing from me. You're right there with the Sri Lankan uh, campaign, really, in, in tatters in the first sort of third of this tournament. But that'll give them a great confidence boost. They beat a team that they should have beaten. Um, and uh, you mentioned there, Baldi, about uh, Samaro Wikrama. Uh, he is actually looking really well, and they'll be happy with his performance. So with the 91 not out to add to the 100 he already scored earlier in the tournament against Pakistan, I actually had a little bit of a, a deep dive into his um into his numbers there. So he debuted back in 2017 as a 23-year-old after a really promising uh, under-19 career. Um, but then he was out in the wilderness for six years. He's come back this year. He's played 20-odd ODIs. He's averaging 41 with the bat, single century, 450s. And when, when he gets going, he looks really classical uh, when he's in full flight. Um, I think they'll be really pleased with his performance. And he, he's actually kicking into the gear kicking into gear just like the likes of uh, Arohat Sharma or something like that so back half of his career could look very very good wow that's a huge comparison guys let's move on to the England South Africa game um South Africa we've talked about throughout the the course of this tournament um definitely peaking at the the right time and that they look absolute um class um at the moment um, as a yeah, as a, as a side, um, some yeah, I guess some top order um, power from Reza Hendricks, um, yeah, contributions from Rassi van der Dusen, Ada Markram, and then um, icing on the cake by Marco Janssen coming in down the order, striking at nearly 180. But um, another fantastic innings from from Heinrich Klaas at 100 and uh, 109, a very very healthy almost T20 strike rate. In fact, definitely a T20. Um, strike rate in this game. Um, this is the end of England's campaign, isn't it, boys? Well, let's not write them off yet, Adam. They can still get six and three. And I think if you have a look at the current teams in the top four, Australia and then Pakistan nipping at their heels, they've only won two games out of four. Uh, so both of those sides have dropped two games. So if you think about the comparison of where England are and where they need to be, they're one game back from from where they need to be. Sure, they need Australia and Pakistan to drop a game. Um, that's that's as may be. But England had the chance to beat Australia. They still haven't played Australia yet. They've still got an opportunity to go six and three if they run the slate at the rest of the tournament. Okay, that's a that's an uphill battle for them. But you know, it's the same thing Australia did in the '99 World Cup. You know, they had to win every game to get to the quarterfinals, to get to the semis, to get to the Super Sixes, uh, whatever it happened to be. They did that, and then they went on and, and won the tournament. Yes, some things are going to have to change in terms of, you know, probably same personnel, slightly better bowling, uh, but there's still a chance for England. Yeah, for me, I think the red marker is actually, it, it's come out of the bag, you know, the pencil case that you've got, but and the cap's been taken off, but uh, there is still a chance for England. Um, 
run rate is going to be an issue for them. Uh, you know, so that that is a massive run rate hit that they've taken in, 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 in this game in particular as well. Uh, Binksy, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, are you worried about, I mean, I guess the, you know, the last, last half of their bowling innings is a bit of a concern. A lot of talk about the, the conditions, the heat that, uh, um, batsmen and bowlers had to endure in that first innings. Uh, yeah. What did you make of the, the last half of England's bowling performance? Yeah. I, Bordy and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. And I, I think one of the issues for me is, um, the bowling lineup just doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't for me look like it's got enough potency up top. Um, so from an opening, you know, an opening bowler perspective, we, we kind of went through, I guess, the tournament and the, and the other runners and riders. Um, obviously, England haven't had their test match uh, seamers involved a hell of a lot since 2015, really, when they kind of wiped the slate clean and, and started this, um, you know, what they dubbed a, a white ball revolution. Um, you look at, you know, the likes of Australia, um, India, South Africa have got some of their guns from their test match team that, you know, take the new ball in that format. Um, so England, I think, have just been behind the eight ball. Um, and then you've got a little bit of inexperience. Um, and then I think you've got a couple of guys um, in, you know, for example, Mark Wood, um, who, <laughs> when he's on song, is brilliant. But I think um, when you've got that much pace on the ball and someone's in on a good on a good batting wicket, you can actually travel. Um, and I, I, look, I think that that's what happened. That's what's happened. And then I think I'm right in saying, um, in terms of you know the, the way that, and look, this is not a this is not just an England thing. This is a this is a cricketing in general thing. You know, we've decided that really, other than the 50 over World Cup and a little bit of bilateral cricket, there isn't going to be too much 50 over cricket um, around um, around the world. Um, and Gus Atkinson, for example, who's come into this uh, this squad, has only played six list A games in his whole career. So um, I, I think they're just coming underdone from a format perspective and, and hoping that the T20 form continues into um, into the 50 over. And clearly, when you look down that bowling card, um, it ha- it hasn't done that. So look, definitely, you know, some big yeah, some big worries. And and bizarrely, I think the worries for me are more with. Uh, more with the bowling than they are with the batting, despite the fact that the batting hasn't really fired. I think that that probably will change, um, at, you know, at, at some point. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's that bowling that's the real the real worry for England. And just a fi- the final question for me for for you, uh, Binksy, just around selection of, of the English side mm. uh, seemed to be a lot of uh, chopping and changing. Uh, the non-selection of uh, Ali. Uh, meaning that Root had to take a, a massive part in the in the bowling um, the bowling uh, rotation. Uh, what do you what do you have, do you have any comments on the the selection? I want to see a fired up Binksy. Yeah, look again. I, I, I the the thing that really strikes me here is that the late change that was really made um, to the squad with Joe uh, sorry Jason Roy. Um, coming out of the the squad, um, them going with a, a permutation that really probably wasn't in the mindset um, certainly six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, has caused some problems. And then I think the biggest component really is that you've got a guy in, in Ben Stokes who <clears throat> is now coming into the team and batting at number four um, and is underdone probably in terms of match practice 
it's meant that they've you know they've had to juggle the the bowling resources um you've got Livingston and Ali missing out who have played a lot of the white ball cricket that England have played over the course of the last 18 months or so um and then you've got you know Gus Atkinson coming in and Reese Topley who's been in and out with injury and, and, and form so yeah selections all over the place for, for England and, and I think what it comes down to is that real lack of real lack of sort of bankers for your uh, for your 10 overs. You know, you're looking really only at Adil Rashid um, and probably Mark Wood, who you'd say, yeah, that, you know, they're bankers for 10 in that um, in that bowling lineup. And then, they're, you know, they're trying to get uh, 30 overs out of, you know, five or six other guys. Um, and it's seriously backfired um, for them on this uh, on this occasion. So, yeah, look, I think it's going to be very much, yeah, tournament over, despite Baldy's... Um, assertion and, and trying to put the moz on just to, to really help Australia. Um, yeah, th- this is, yeah, they, they may as well, I think, book their book their tickets now, to be honest. And um, in maybe 90 minutes time or 80 minutes time, they could get a group discount um, with the with the rugby team as well, who I think will be coming home from France uh, today as well. <laughs> well, it's all doom and gloom for you Sunday morning, Binksy. That's, that's not good well, to hear. Does, that's yeah. not good to hear. It is early. I'm okay, though. I'm okay. Um, um, I think we should cover Baldi? South Africa a little bit. Yeah, let's cover South Africa a little well, bit, Raj. Yeah. Can I just ask you one quick question, just on um, on on the, on the conditions? Because a lot mm. was made of how hot it was. As someone who's played a lot of cricket in uh, in, in a warmer climate, um, how much of that is actually? something that needs to be taken into account with the toss. For example, England won the toss. They mm. still chose to bowl because they wanted to chase on that Mumbai wicket. Uh, a lot of the dismissals that we saw of the likes of, of Joe Root and, and, and Ben Stokes and, and, and those bigger players were not normal dismissals, how you'd see them getting out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much of an impact uh, did do you reckon the conditions had? And is that something they should have factored in more at the beginning? I, I absolutely think so. You know, fielding... And in the heat um, for 50 overs is a very, very draining exercise. It's it's draining for international players at the best of times, but but to do so in humid conditions, really humid conditions, it really does sap your energy quite badly. And I think, you know, you saw that a little bit in the batting innings. It took England a while to 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 recover from that from that fielding stint. Um, and and you know, if you have a look at the stats, England have chased or the last sorry to say that again. The last eight games that England have chased, they've lost seven of those. So while there has been this trend for chasing, I think England's batting lineup is such that if they bat first, they could set any target. They've they've got so much firepower. And actually, if you think about the way that their tournament is playing out, batting is their real strength at the moment. And so even though this batting lineup misfired was bowled out for 170, I think it would we would have seen a very, very different set of circumstances if England had it batted first and put 280, 290 on the board minimum. Um, and, and then, you know, who knows what South Africa is going to do under pressure. We still haven't seen them perform well when under real pressure. Um, they've got away to good starts in this tournament. And then, you know, fair credit to, to guys like Heinrich Klaassen, David Miller, they've been outstanding um, to, you know, borrow a pun. Marco Janssen stood really tall in this game and, and finished the game off with some with some terrific batting. Um, and as did the as did the England bowlers actually, to be fair. Um, but you know, let's see what South Africa can do when they're under real pressure. 
Yep. Uh, just also on the, you wanted to turn to South Africa there, uh, Heinrich Klaassen, bit of a spotlight on him. Uh, he came in at a really pivotal stage, you know, 25 to 30 over range, mm. uh, almost, you know, run a ball. It could have gone either way, three down. Uh, he, he went in there and he turned the strike over. He found a partner and, and battered uh, and really exploded towards the end to make sure that South Africa scored 400 rather than 300 and set up that win. Yeah, Heinrich Klaassen's been huge for them. And we, we've we talked about their top five, their top six. They are such a dangerous side because they've got guys that can go in and get 100 off 60 balls, get 100 off 70 balls. You know, Marco Janssen, probably not the guy that you would think about getting 75 off 40. But, you know, when South Africa are on a roll, they are a very, very difficult side to stop because they've got so much firepower. They can throw three or four guys at you and go, well, we only need one or two of these guys to come off. And if they come off, it seems like they come off in a really, really big way. You know, you might see a guy like Glenn Maxwell get 40 off 20 or Stoinis get, you know, 25 off, off 12. But it seems to me that lately, if some of these South African batters come off, they end up getting 100 instead of getting 40 or 50. So they've been fantastic. And, and Marco Janssen's the other one. I've got a question for the panel. Uh, all, all I've heard about Marco Janssen over the last sort of six months is how much he's been working on his batting. Um, if he can become that, you know, all-rounder, he genuine all-rounder, he opens an amazing amount of options to South Africa. Bowl sort of first, second change, uh, bat at seven. Uh, at the moment, he is... Uh, Statistically, a real all-rounder, averaging one run more with the bat than than the ball. Uh, but then again, the seventy-five not out that he got is a quarter of his total ODA runs. Uh, what what? Um, where do you see him sort of ending his career? Do you, do you see him as if you're looking down into your crystal ball? Is he going to be a genuine all-rounder in your eyes when he finishes his career? Absolutely. I, I really, really like Marco Janssen, not just because of the balance that he adds to the South African side, as you mentioned, but he, <clears throat> excuse me, he is a really skillful swing bowler and he is a very, very hard-hitting batsman. And if you take those two in combination, they're the kind of guys that, particularly in test cricket, can, can win you a session, win you a test match. Um, so I think he's going to have a very strong career. And if South Africa are going to build their way back into you know, a world-class top two, top three uh, nation in any of those formats. I think Marco Janssen is going to play a huge part in that. Yeah, Raj, for me, I think it comes down to a little bit down to workloads and a little bit down to what formats he's going to play. Um, yeah, I really, you know, I really like him. And I think if he was in the England setup, for example, I'd be saying that's a great option to put his eggs in the test cricket basket. Um and and you know and actually develop a guy that as you say is going to probably bowl first change, and then could genuinely bat at seven in the you know I, I don't know the um, Andrew Flintoff or even um, sort of Ben Stokes, but probably more obviously of a bowling all rounder than a than a batting all rounder. But I think yeah, clearly with the proliferation of white ball cricket, I just wonder whether he'll get enough time to you know to develop mm. that, or whether he might actually you know as Baldy just alluded to turn into that kind of guy that might put the icing on the cake with, you know, 40 off 20, uh, but he's probably not going to bat at six or seven and, and have the opportunity to um, to score, you know, to score big runs. But yeah, look, I really like the look of him. He, he's got a very, very good uh, technique and then clearly um, he hits the ball a bloody long way. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to face him on a longest drive contest on a, on a golf day, that's for sure. 
Big C, I know you've got a test match to get to. Any other summary comments from an England perspective? You know, you've been quite down uh, early doors, but is there a way forward for England? What do they have to change? Do they need to get some uh, flexibility back into their lineup with Livingston and Ali, or is it a case of, you know, same players, better bowling? Also bearing in mind that they still have to play India, Australia, and Pakistan to round the tournament out. Yeah, look, it, as I said, boys, it's tournament over for, for England. They, they, you know, they, they can't have um, a scenario where all their must-win games. We only really play the Netherlands now that, you know, that you'd expect um, to, yeah, to beat. So, I th- look, I, I think the reality is for England that, you know, they're really, really going to struggle to get back into this tournament. And I think uh, it, when they look back in the room of mirrors at the end of it, um, I think that the you know the summation, the conclusion of this is going to be we've tried to win um, a, a fifty over World Cup with a T Twenty side, and it's and it's gone completely pear shaped. That's my summation. And now I'm off to get our asses series, get our asses handed to us in the rugby as well. But at least I've got coffee. Well, there's silver linings to every cloud, Binksy. Uh, we're looking forward to New Zealand-India, of course, uh, yeah. tonight coming up as well. So that's going to be fantastic. Uh, and then Afghanistan-Pakistan is also promising to be uh, a bit of a blockbuster as well the, the following night. So plenty of cricket coming up on the Top Order podcast. Absolutely. So, Raj, really good place uh, to end things there. We will, of course, be back um, tomorrow um, for wrap-ups of... Um, of the cricket that happens overnight. Um, Baldy alluded there, obviously, to the India-New uh, Zealand game. So, um, cricket fans, if you want to log in to Crick Fan TV, um, you'll actually get to see um, Baldy um, and Lippy make a guest appearance there um, on the preview for that India-New Zealand game. So, that's on Crick Fan TV. So, go and uh, take, um, uh, take a look at that. Give those guys a like and subscribe. But more importantly, um, encourage a friend... Uh, family member or colleague to give the top order podcast a like and subscribe on uh, youtube and in your top um, your top podcast channel it really does help us um, to find new listeners and viewers but for now um, it is um, i was going to say good night and god bless but that's uh, it's not the case it's good morning and god bless um, sunday morning here in auckland we'll see you on the top order podcast um, again tomorrow